The first reading is from Romans, chapter 8, verses 1 to 11, and it can be found on page 1134 of the Church Bibles. Therefore, (coughs) there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God God did by sending his own son in the likeness of a sinful, by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned the sin in flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit lives in you. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, please do stand if you're able as Steve brings us our gospel reading. The gospel reading can be found on page 978 of the Bible. It's Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 to 9 and 18 to 23. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. The parable of the sower. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. 
But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This is the gospel of the Lord. O God, help us to listen to your word with understanding, to receive it with faith, and to obey it with courage. For Jesus Christ's sake, amen. Please do sit down. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and some fell on rocky ground. Others fell among thorns, and other seeds fell on good soil, and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. The seed represented the different ways in which people respond to the gospel. The soil is described in greater detail in the parable than the seed or the sower. Some was hard and indifferent. Some soil was hard and indifferent. Some full of stones. Some shallow. And some produced a good crop. The four types of soil in the parable of the sower represent different responses to God's message. Christ sows the seed of God's word in the world and he is abundantly generous with his seed. We are to receive his word and to do this we have to listen and our hearts must be in the right place to move forward. This is one of the few times in the Bible where Jesus gives an explanation of a parable. He reminds us when we hear God's word, it is easy to lose concentration. Also to allow Satan to whisper, do you really want to do that? Why not wait until? I'm sure we've all been in that position where we know God is nudging us, but we have the excuses. The time is not right. I'm not ready for that, Lord. And we also allow Satan to keep on whispering. Now, some who are who hear the word, are sincere at the time, but allow things to get in the way and lose the word that has been planted. Some allow things to take, uh, to take root in their hearts that are not helpful. And like thorns, 
They choke the word that has been sown. They stay away from those who would encourage them. They stay away from church. But some seed does come to full potential and it bears fruit. Jesus finished the parable with, whoever has ears, let them hear. He wants us to hear what he is saying to us. Maybe he wants us to make that step of faith, to become a follower, or to return to the fold. Maybe he has something to say about our vocation and ministry. The prayer for today reminds us that each of us has a vocation and a ministry. It's not just about ordained or commissioned ministry. We are, of course, to pay close attention to what he's saying, but not only that, we are to go further and draw out the meanings from life experiences and understand how to apply them. This comes through listening spiritually with deep sensitivity and understanding. This is not an easy thing to do. So just briefly I will share some of my experience because I had um, really felt that I wanted to be a reader many, many years before that happened. And I was caring um, over many years too for parents And when both of those died, my mum died in 1995. Anne Salisbury, who some of you will remember, who was a priest at Holy Trinity, said, I would like you to go on a course for active listening. Now, as I've always been a talker for England, I guess she knew, God knew, that that was the first need. And so I went along. And I can remember it very clearly to this day that we were in this room and we were asked to sit, part of the exercise role play if you like, was to sit back to back. And we were asked to say something to the person and they to us and we had to hear and repeat back exactly what they had said. It's not easy to listen and then I was called to be a reader and the listening went on because you have to listen to what God is saying when you lead worship and particularly when you preach what is God actually saying for the people what does he want us to hear and that is something you have to do with sensitivity and be really open to the Spirit's leading. And of course that has gone on through my ordination and particularly in prayer ministry and pastoral ministry. It's about hearing from God and hearing from the person. When the nations gathered in Jerusalem, they received the gift of the Holy Spirit 
and experience communion at the deepest level. The reading that Simon brought to us from Romans speaks of the life through the Spirit. The Spirit has been with us since the creation of the world. The Holy Spirit is the power behind the rebirth of every Christian and the power we need to live out that life and to be the sower. If we are a Christian, the Spirit of God lives in us and we will act as the Spirit directs, as the Spirit speaks to us. We will be part of God's plan to build up his church as others have done in every generation. Will you help to sow the seed in other lo- others' lives as people have done for you? Maybe someone in your family, maybe someone you've worked with, maybe someone in another church, maybe someone in this church. Pope Benedict XVI, in his homily at his Mass of Inauguration in St. Peter's Square in April 2005, said, There is nothing more beautiful than to be surprised by the gospel, by the encounter with Christ. There is nothing more beautiful than to know him and to speak to others of our friendship with him. When we have believed that Jesus Christ is our saviour, when we have allowed the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, God has given us the growth. A sower went out to sow, and this church was born. In the 1930s, a group of men from New College, Oxford, under the direction of the then Bishop of Wilsdon, gave the land on which this church stand, and from where cows had grazed, a worshipping community was planted. A tent was provided, a missioner appointed to serve and lead the people of this community. This included many who had recently moved into new housing, which previously had been farmland and orchards. Subsequently, a hall and church were built. During my lifetime here, we have listened to God's leading for the appointment of ministers. We have supported people in the mission field. We have sought will, God's will, for those considering baptism, admittance to Holy Communion and confirmation for commissioned or licensed ministry and ordination. And we have listened to God's will for those giftings that we can see God wants used for service here. We listened to God for his plans for our building project 
And I remember when God said, wait. We waited for God's timing as to when to go ahead. A reminder that we have not always listened. And as in all churches, we have had difficult times. I hope we have learnt these lessons along the way. As those entrusted with Jesus' mission today, it is important to engage with the implications of this parable for our own lives and how we engage in mission to bring others to Christ. We have needed to adapt with the times in liturgy, moving to common worship as well as the Book of Common Prayer, which now, of course, we actually don't use the Communion Service Book of Prayer, but it is recognized in other churches and has something to say to us. We moved from robed choir to singers to keyboard as well as organ and to other instruments, to audio provision and slides for removing pews to allow flexible space both for worship and open church. Throughout the generations we have worshipped together, facilitated children and young people's work, offered outreach like Holiday Club and the Alternative Nativity. Our worship once morning prayer and evening prayer with monthly Holy Communion is now Eucharistic every Sunday with all-age worship at the main service on the first of the month. An important change which has taken place over many years because it gives us that opportunity for outreach. And we have continued with our pancake and night party, and now we have a Pentecost party. What is God calling us to do next in our outreach for our children? Messy Church? We have given our time and our talents, our money, we have been part of stewardship or we have been part of open collections. We have certainly been part of fundraising as reminded today. Don't forget to buy some cakes. And open collections, gift days to support the mission in this place. We have supported the community pastorally and in times of bereavement and crisis. Changing programs in line with the times we live in. So from Pram Church to Toddler Church, we have tea in the afternoon for all faiths and none. We now have an English conversation class reflecting the changes in the mix of people who live and work here. Our church buildings are for the common good in the service of humanity and for the greater glory of God. A team of people made this possible. We worked and prayed, but it was God who gave the growth.
Are we prepared to receive the message God has us for us today as he sows the seed? I'd like to read a poem now, which is called A Future Not Our Own. Interestingly, by a Bishop Ken Untener. And the, uh, this poem was given when Oscar Romero, who you probably will remember, was Archbishop of San Salvador and was assassinated in 1980 while celebrating Mass. Because of his outspoken words about injustice by the corporate military and government, and that's why he was assassinated. So a future not our own. It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is another way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives include everything. This is what we're about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water the seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces effects far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing this. This enables us to do something, and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way. An opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and to do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers, not master builders. Ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. Let's read one, uh, one of two lines which talks about sowing. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water the seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise.
Justin Welby published a paper for General Synod in 2005. It was called a program for reform and renewal, called in each generation. And this paper reminds us of our mission. So paragraph one says this. In obedience to the commission that Jesus gave to his disciples, the church's vocation is to proclaim the good news afresh in each generation. As disciples of our risen Lord, we are called to be loyal to the inheritance of faith which we have received and open to God's spirit so that we can be constantly renewed and reformed for the task entrusted to us. Will you hear the sower today? Will you be the sower? Whoever has ears, let them hear. Amen.